0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Diversity Ally, the podcast. On today's show, we have the wonderful Faye Sharp. Faye has over 30 years of experience working in the hotel, hospitality, event management, and venue sourcing arena. She is now a mentor, non-exec speaker, and consultant across a range of businesses. Faye has also won many awards, such as the MNIT Personality of the Year Award, Mentor of the Year at the Shine Awards, Lloyd's TSB CBI's First Women of Tourism and Leisure Award, and achieved the number two position in the Event 100 list to name but a few. In 2015, Faye launched the Fast Forward 15 Women's Mentoring initiative. She is passionate about supporting good causes and has completed numerous charity challenges and since 2013 has been the Chair of Trustees of the Muscle Help Foundation. On today's show, we discuss the results of her recent report into diversity & inclusion in the events industry, Women & Events, female entrepreneurs and the joys and challenges of working from home during the pandemic. So um, on today's show, we have the lovely Faye Sharp. So we've known each other for a number of years. I was previously a mentee on the Fast Forward 15 program, which I'm sure we'll have a, a chance to talk about at some point during this little chat today. So we're, we're really delighted to have you on. Um, and maybe for some of those who um, don't know who you are, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your kind of personal and professional highlights maybe. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> hi Gabby, hi Ashanti. Nice to see you both or hi- and hear you both. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just a bit of background. Um, a lot of people probably will know me uh, at the moment or now for my work on diversity and um, Fast Forward 15. But before that, I did have a, a, a very um, long and beautiful event career. So I started off in the hotel world working for Hilton Hotels and um, worked my way through to director of sales there. And then I set up an agency venue finding in back in 89 and built that up to be the largest event agency in the industry with over 200 staff, vibrant, And um, sold that in 2007, bought it back with Nigel Cooper and then sold it again in around 2012. So, yeah, so I, you know, and I I, I literally have experience in, in full service events as well as venue sourcing. And I think probably um, my expertise is brand build, um, brand build, you know, creating a culture and also marketing and relationships so yeah and then obviously once I'd done all that and I thought what can I do next I set up Fast Forward 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> just
2: whizzed through that as if they were like some hobbies that you've just picked up <laughs> well, along well, the way.
0: I am a
1: bit like yeah. that one, one of my problems is or one of my challenges is to myself is that I am always I always am looking at new ideas I'm always looking at new things and um it's not it's for pleasure as well you know because I like it not not and I think that's why it works with me because I don't do things necessarily for the money I do things because I love it and I either want to help someone or I see an issue and stuff so yeah I I really do um I really do love what I do and I love the events industry so (laughs) brilliant
0: thank you um let's get um to the report actually that you um published i think it was last week wasn't it around diversity and inclusion in the events industry Mm. um which kind of you got your research from global responses which is amazing yeah um i mean what did you kind of think about with regards to the findings of of that report Mm. (laughs) and what really was your reason even for for going ahead and wanting to produce it
1: Well, the reason I did it is because um, I think as an industry, we're really bad at getting stats on things. We're really good at actually understanding. We talk a lot about things, but sometimes we don't always dig deeper and actually get to the nux of what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to actually just I did a report about five years ago and I really wanted to do a bit of an update. Ie, where have we improved? Where are we? Um, and I worked with IMEX, who were brilliant and gave me access to the database um, together. So, well, they, they sent it out, etc. and Leeds University and also Cvent um, were involved too, which was great. And um, so, and it went out to the, glo- the global database and over 650 people, I think, responded. Um, interestingly, um, it, was, it was 73% women. So it was mostly women, but then that represents our industry. So actually that's, that's the proportion of women that are in our industry. So, you know, it was, it was really good. Um, I think some of the things that sort of didn't shock me, but made me look, and I think were very um, valid was obviously the, the diversity was not brilliant. I mean, I'm going to make a statement here. We are a white middle-class industry. You know, and we need to change that because, you know, that's not good. That's not the, the, the picture of the world. That's not how how the workplace is generally. So we need to change that. So I do think that this survey sort of confirmed that. And even more so, it wasn't just the UK. It was from America and it was from Europe and Asia. So even more so, the, the people that identified within different ethnic groups were really tiny. Um, mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. And also people with disabilities, very tiny proportion of people in our sector, by the look of it, that, are, that have a disability.
0: Mm, yeah. Interesting.
1: So we obviously are not, either we're not attracting people to the industry, which is a good possibility, mm-hmm. um, or, or we're, when we're recruiting, we're not bringing um, those groups into our industry and embracing them. So I don't know which, which is which. I think it's a bit of both.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think that, that certainly as we... I made a point last week with someone. This is a really weird time. And people might say, well, oh, my God, people are losing their jobs. You know, everything's terrible. We don't even know if we're going to be employed. Well, that's okay. But at some point, this what goes down has to go up, Right. Yeah. So, so whilst it might go down and, and people might be losing their jobs, at some point, the industry will rebuild itself and it will come back and, and there will be events, whether they're virtual or hybrid or however. And companies then have an opportunity at that point to decide how they want their companies to look.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's a really valid point to think about how can how can I make this workplace the best it can be? And who do we need to have around the table? And that basically should be a diverse and inclusive structure that allows a a range of men, women, um, black, Asian, disabled. You know, it needs to have a range of people in proportion, obviously, but. That is the best that you can do as a leader to have an eclectic mix of people. And that's going to give you the best company results.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you flagged that actually, um, Faye, about people obviously being concerned about the times that we're in at the moment, the job losses, the uncertainty and all of that sort of thing. And I think, Ashanti, you might agree with me on this or or not. (laughs) But when we've been talking with companies about kind of supporting with a diversity and inclusion, you've got kind of two camps You've got the camps who are going, this is a great time and opportunity for us actually to, you know, clean house, sort everything out, prepared, ready for when the industry kind of kicks off again, builds itself up again. And mm-hmm. then you have the other side who are obviously kind of a bit nervous and more concerned, obviously, at the moment with mm-hmm. just trying to keep afloat, which is, you know, yeah. you know we understand. It's understandable. You've got the first two camps at the moment, yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, but also, guys, this is not just about who we employ. Okay, so I was talking to Felicia at c and I'm going to be on a panel with her at c Connects. You too, okay. I'll be with you. Yay. We <laughs> were talking about... Um, the fact that that we need to when we're planning events it's not just about the people that are planning the events it's also about the content of the event right so when you're doing an event you want to have an engaged audience um that that um you know is involved and participates etc and also you want to make sure i mean i saw something the other day you know just on the the female only thing which was uh, a linkedin thing where they had seven men all heads of businesses all white all middle-aged so that's not particularly a good thing, you know, because I looked at that and it, I switched off straight away because I, I couldn't relate to that at all. I felt like I couldn't relate to that the, you know, and the same thing goes for, for ethnicity, you know, when we're planning speakers, when we're planning the content of an event, we need to make sure that the people on the stage are a diverse group of people and at different levels of, of, uh, of businesses. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my daughter yesterday, my son. My son's 17, just turned 17. And he said to me, Mom, he said, why are the, the, the presidents and prime ministers of our countries old white men? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way because, you know, I'm sure, you know, and I said, well, there is a lot to be said for experience, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we have to, as a, as an industry and as a country, start to bring in young people who've got a different outlook and a different attitude to ethnicity and diversity and actually it's normal for them you know Mm -hmm. maybe what 50 60 year olds have grown up with they have to make conscious change but when you're 20 it's just natural it's just part of your day-to-day life that is you know we're all in this together as it were
2: yeah I think that's really interesting that you say that Faye because um, I was having a conversation just this morning with somebody who has just uh, moved organization and they are now a diversity and inclusion lead in that organization but they are young and even during the course of the conversation the language they were using they freely expressed their frustration with mm. the pace and culture at their new employer yeah. um, and that was really interesting um, and they described themselves as absolutely determined to yeah. Make these changes, and that is really indicative of use, as you say, yeah. of a younger generation, Generation Z, and beyond. Yeah. Um, they are they don't understand why things need to take so long in the first mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. Um, and they are far more open with just questioning why things are the way they are.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think this is not just about diversity, you know, I think that. We now, as a society, have a platform to look at sustainability, how we live, how we do things and who we do things with. So, yeah, I mean, my son was like, I mean, personally, if I was on the board of a company now, I would have a youth director Mm
0: -hmm. and I would
1: have someone in their early 20s who came onto that board to represent the youthful opinion. Um, you know, and let's get away, let's, let's move away, I mean, I'm, I'm older myself, but let's get away from just having crusty people, you know, I mean, hopefully I'm not crusty, but you know, <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's get away from, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm quite a good person adapting, right, because I'll be honest with you, over my career, you know, I've been in business since 1989 and before that at Hilton, and things have changed, you know, things have changed, attitudes have changed, you know, so, but I'm quite, a, I'm, quite an, uh, I'm quite aware of myself. You know, I'm aware of things that I've made mistakes on. I'm aware of, so I might not have always been perfect, but I'm aware of it. And I'll maybe look and and, and have a look at things and think, okay, I need to change my mindset or and I can do that. Not everyone can do that though. That's an issue. Yeah. Um, and I think what you said, Ashanti, is interesting about that, that young person trying to make the change in the company being a little bit, um, you know, not moving fast enough. One of the challenges that that we all have and you you have, especially when you're advising is that, People shouldn't be just doing this as lip service.
0: Mm.
1: You know, trends come in. I've seen it. I mean, I've been in this industry a long time. Things come in. It's like, Oh my God, we have to talk about health and safety now. Oh, you know, it's the new thing. This should be just part of your business culture.
2: Yes. Exactly.
1: Not like a thing we have to do because we have to tick a box. That's the wrong thing. That's the wrong mindset. But that always from the top of the business in all instances and that's where you guys maybe can make a change by influencing at that level.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, actually, when we do deliver kind of workshops and education pieces, we always highly advise <laughs> that we have um, training with leadership first. Yeah, and as you said, it comes from the top down. It's incredibly important that they're backing us and they're behind this as well. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: we are. yeah. So. Brilliant. So, I mean,
2: Faye, I think one of the things that's always very interesting to me is when you do have individuals like yourself who are experienced, respected, and essentially are able to influence, um, you know, other people, right? People look up to you, the very nature of some of the work that you're doing now has role modelling as a consistent theme. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of, because you mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, how you're able to, you're open to exploring who you know how you may have perceived things before or the changes that you'd want to make now I think there's a lot of people listening who are in very similar situations to you Mm -hmm. in that maybe they uh, maybe they know they need to make the transition you spoke on is there any kind of advice that you can give so to speak um to them if they're finding themselves in a situation where they think okay I don't know how now to to explore what I can do differently Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think you have to be conscious, first of all, because I'll, I'll be really honest with you. Um, last year, when I, uh, so so fast forward to 15, um, the, the way that we run it, basically, people apply, they, they go into a, a pool, I distribute the um, applications, people get interviewed, and then someone's selected, okay, so... And I really wasn't that conscious about that, if I'm honest with you. I was conscious of the fact making sure we had people who were engaged, wanted to be on it. But I, wasn't, I didn't go through and say, well, how many people from the BAME community or, disa- or, or who are disabled? I didn't actually, it wasn't on my register, I'll be really honest with you. And um, when, last year, when I got the applications in and the final um, sele- you know, section was made, which the mentors make, Two things I've recognised. One is I didn't have enough um, mentors, diverse mentors. Absolutely. I, I thought I've made a mistake here. And not with mentors because they're great. But do you know what I mean? I needed, I needed to have a better role model set of people so that people could identify just like me with those guys. When I saw them, I switched off. You know, if you're a, 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 you know, a woman um, from Asia or whatever and you see nobody that looks like you, you might not apply. Mm-hmm. So um, I recognize that. And that's why I set up. That's why I got Gabby and Felicia uh, involved, because I'm someone who's not frightened to admit my mistakes. You know, mm. not, and, and, uh, to be really honest with you, not intentional at all. But I wasn't conscious. Yeah. I wasn't conscious and I wasn't being conscious. I was being conscious of women. Mm. And I, I need to help women. I wasn't thinking, am I, am I being conscious of all women, whether they're, you know, black, white, yellow, young, old, disabled. Aww. I wasn't. So I think when you become conscious, as long as, um, from my point of view, as long as people accept you're genuine, accept you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to do a good thing and then maybe help you or support you. Like Gabby stepped to the plate straight away and she was like, as a previous mentee, Faye, I'm, I'm I'm on board, you know? So I think, if, if you're a leader or someone in a senior position and you think maybe mm, something's not quite right here, then just be conscious about it and talk to people within your organization about what you can do and talk to friends like yourselves who, who are willing to help. You know, you're willing to give advice and you're willing to... Um, help people understand the best way to go about things and that's what I did I talked to a lot of people uh, and then I thought right I need to make an instant change I can't wait till the next intake but what I will do is I will make change on next year's program and that will be more BAME um, role models who are mentoring and therefore I hope more BAME mentees will apply now I can't guarantee that they will get the places because they have to prove themselves you know I'm the same as I do for women. I, I don't think there should be quotas on women, for example, on boards. I think we still want to earn things by merit. We want to get things by the fact we're good enough. We don't want to get things by the colour of our skin or, our, you know, whatever. We want to get things for ourselves. But I do think that at least the doors are open and it's like, okay, let, let's let's give more people a chance and try and get them involved. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: obviously, I went through the process myself. So the application process, the written application, and then pairing up the men, uh, the mentor, and then obviously you have a phone interview, and phone discussion with them. And I've only just thought about this now, and it's just maybe kind of like food for thought. When um, we're kind of, Ashanti and I are discussing recruitment and hiring process and with organisations, we talk a lot about having a diverse panel of people um looking at the applications and then being the interviewers because often what happens is you tend to choose somebody who's in the same like as yourself right that you think you're going yep. to get on with on a kind yep. of like friendship or social level that you recognize something of yourself in so yep. that's also another like you said interesting way of looking at things and by having those diverse um mentors then hopefully that will help alleviate that
1: absolutely because because you cause you're, you're basically um putting people in place that that are open they're, they're, it might be that everyone's open but you don't risk it you know create an uh, an opportunity for people to feel that they can be involved and engaged and not not oh well, that's not for me because everyone doesn't look like me so i think so so yeah going back to the point though is be conscious mm-hmm. don't be afraid to make mistakes if you make a mistake you know hopefully um your colleagues and, and the group around you will be gracious and help you. Yeah. No, nobody wants to, to call people out unless they're if, they're, if they're genuine, right? Nobody wants to call people out if they're genuine. They, want to, they genuinely want to help you. So, um, that's my, so that's my approach. That's the way I've always worked.
2: No, thank you for sharing that, because I think it's these chats, as you said, Faye, just talking amongst peers and individuals who all want to solve the problem, Um, you can get to this place. And I think there is a vulnerability, you know, it's something that Gabby and I talk about. It's something that as individuals, we all have to, Mm. I guess, regulate, right? Understanding when we um, are having, you know, internal resistance to something even, and then finding those spaces where we can explore that uh, to to kind of move on to the next step. So, I, I, you know, thank you for being so open and
1: sharing that. Yeah, no, I, well, I hope it helps. I mean, the other thing that I think is really important that I saw in the going back to the paper mm. is to, I'll go, I want to talk about children and then mm. I want, but I'm going to talk about education first of all. So one of the things that came out was that we're quite a well educated bunch. So 41% had an undergraduate degree and 38% had a postgraduate degree. Yeah. And these days, it's really expensive to put yourself through university. And I know from people that I've talked to, um, there is a cultural thing where, you know, families want their children to go for a professional um, qualification, A.K.A. a lawyer or a doctor. I mean, I was talking um, to I think Benedicta recently um, uh, about this, and she was saying, yeah, her mum originally pushed her to go into nursing. Mm-hmm. She hated it. She was like, I hate it. I don't want to do it. Um, so I just think that there should also, we should also be looking at routes into um, the events industry that are not necessarily just degree level entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people shouldn't have to get a degree, we, we should be able to provide the, the baseline training. Mm-hmm. And I hope, like with the government, talking about where we are now, the government are obviously trying to get the youth employed because we're going to have mass unemployment going forward Mm -hmm. and I think this is an opportunity if event companies have had to lose or shed a lot of jobs and then they're restarting it's an opportunity to get on board um, young people um, through these schemes where the government are supporting um, them but also it means that maybe a different base of people can can be involved maybe those that maybe were excluded because they didn't have a degree or you know they couldn't afford to do that and i think that's important
0: Mm, yeah, there's, op- there's opportunities for apprenticeships and internships and things like that are going to be really key, I guess. And, yeah, she said, the government are offering the, the apprenticeship levy. So hopefully that will encourage more people um, yes. to bring apprentices on board. But, yeah, I mean, I got into the industry. Um, I didn't, you know, didn't have to, I've got a postgraduate, but not in events. And I don't know how many people do actually have events management degrees at the moment, how they get into the industry is kind of sometimes very transferable skills. They ended up kind of falling into it a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. what are your thoughts on
1: that? I think think you'd find, yeah, I mean, I think you find though that people in universities, again, are very white middle class. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, maybe there needs to be something done there that if people, first of all, I do think that event management degrees compared to say Mm -hmm. doing something that's gonna earn a lot higher money um, you know, if you're if you're going to become a doctor, for example, your starting salary. I know that maybe the study's longer, but even so, the starting salary is a lot higher. And as an event graduate, you're going to come in at quite not that higher level of salary. Yeah. And actually, you you know, you've got to ask yourself how many years am I going to take to actually pay this all back. So mm. I do think again, we just need to think, or maybe the government needs to think about these sort of softer degrees are still really valid but maybe there could be funding provided for people that to bring them into the industry if they still want to do the study Um, and I think maybe specifically BAME you know grants or something to help um, if people can't afford or don't they're, they're, they're worried about signing up for that sort of level of debt maybe there needs to be some sort of support there so I think that's one thing and then the other thing is you mentioned internships and apprenticeships I fully um, uh, support apprenticeships. I worry about internships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tell you why. If an internship is paid at a, a you know, moderate level
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's a short internship to check out whether or not that person's suitable, happy days, I'm with them. If that internship is three months where the person's not paid anything and at the end of it they don't get a job, I absolutely bore that I don't like that because you know that means again only a certain type of person can actually afford to be an intern versus someone who actually has to go out and I mean I couldn't have been an intern when I started I didn't have any money you know I didn't I I didn't have two pennies to rub together you know I was working you know I was living off bags of apples at one point because I had no money and I was working three jobs part-time so Mm. you know I think
0: Please, don't,
1: we don't exclude, yet yeah, people yeah. from that opportunity
0: because of their financial situation.
1: Exactly, sure. like, don't take advantage of, of, you know, it's almost, it, it is, I think people that can afford to be an intern, it's almost privilege, okay? Mm. I, I hate to say this, but it is. So companies recognise that there will be people who are brilliant, who need to get paid for, for, for what they do.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I and mean, it's a challenge, you know, it is uh, the internship challenge is something that is experienced across industries to be fair um, whereby you know they offer these internships and of course maybe at best they pay for lunch and travel which long term just isn't sustainable for most people now and again as you said Faye it may not even matter what the diversity strata is most people in this day and age can't afford (laughs) To do that on a long-term basis.
1: Absolutely. I think, um, and the other final bit, uh, just something, you know, obviously there was the other thing that I noted was still the huge pay gap between men and women, which is really disappointing. Um, you know, I don't know how and why that happens, but let's level up, guys, you know, let's level up, you know, even just be fair you know it's, it's not fair uh, to, to to pay people differently if they're doing the same jobs you know have a range you have a range between x and y but if someone's a male female black white whatever pay them in that range and that's it and yeah don't don't ask them what salary they're on when they come for the interview and then pay them as cheap as you can if you've got a budget for a salary then give mm. them that range and let them know um And I think the other things that I saw on the research was that at the time of research, which was, was before COVID kicked off, 84% of people were full time. Um, I think that's going to shift hugely. I think that's going to shift into a different strata of operation. And I think that as an employer now, if I was mapping out my future, I would be looking to talk to people about possibly pro rata working because you know we're living in a different environment now right we're living in a different age i think the next 10 years is going to be crucial for our planet for how we work and i think a lot of us now have got used to doing this sort of thing zoom calls doing stuff online um i don't ever think we should lose the human connection obviously but i do think we will maybe all work from home more. We will um, maybe eat and consume less and do less that I think is probably good for the planet. Maybe not so good for business, but good for the planet. And I think therefore we actually will make savings in our, the way that we live, Mm -hmm. whether that be in childcare or, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of working mums who've been able to flex a little bit working from home and still having childcare at home rather than having to, you know, outsource it.
2: Mm. I think you make some really interesting points there, Faye, um, because we're seeing a lot of thought pieces and threads come out already about the way the world of work is changing Mm. um, and the parts that will stay, the parts that will go. And it's really interesting actually, because I think there's also, there's a lot of talk about how employers need to change their expectations and and Mm. adjust how they work. But I do think sometimes that includes employees, because there are a lot of people who have been used to working in a certain way they want the flexibility in certain areas but they don't want to be flexible and I think I can say that as someone who's an employer (laughs) as well at the moment in that you know right now you can work from home you know if you've got great people on your team you're not necessarily micromanaging them so there's a lot of trust inbuilt there yeah that means though that you will have to level up on your deliverables yeah. That's, a, that's just the reality for example and I think it's those it'll be interesting to see how conversations uh you know continue where people who are looking for work right now have mm-hmm. to change their expectations of what they knew and had before because I imagine this will change the kind of benefits that you might be eligible yeah. for now yeah. because you're not in an office as much or right. at all you know I, I know it sounds silly but even you know lots of people are dog owners and I've found there's an uplift in people saying, Well now I'm gonna to have to get doggy daycare, but is that
1: really the employer's responsibility? Well it's, not. I mean, <laughs> you it's know. not you know I mean it's not the employer's responsibility. The thing is is that um you're right everything you've said is absolutely right. It's a two way street. I've always operated this in, in in businesses that I've had in that you have to give and take. If someone doesn't meet you halfway then come on, guys, it's not, you know, you can't run a business. And, and I, you know, when, I mean, obviously, I always encourage when my team went off on mat leave that they would come back and, you know, if they could do the same job, great. If they couldn't, I'd say you need to flex and do something different, and this is the yeah. opposite, this is what we're, we're going to try and do. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to be accountable. or People have to be accountable because businesses can't run for nothing. They have yes. to, they need to make profit. They need to be successful. So, yeah. therefore, productivity is key. Right. So if people are working from home and they're trusted and then in the office, just say a call center, for example, if in the office they took an average of 35 calls a day, just say and dealt with 35 customers, but at home, they only deal with 20. That's not going to work. You know, so I think that companies, you're right about deliverables and measurables. People, companies are going to have to look very closely at their, um, how they they monitor and measure staff. Um, and and how they account for what they do because unfortunately like in everything you've got people who are on it and dedicated and will do the job and what have you and then there are other people who don't Mm. and they'll spend half the day fiddling around doing (laughs) nothing in the office as well though believe me that happens in the office somebody's gone on a three-hour coffee break and you're like excuse me (laughs) (laughs) the difference is though you see them yeah true Sorry. whereas at home you can hide behind whatever i mean i've been it's been interesting for me because i've had a lot of instances i've, I've been calling hotels because i'm launching a retreat business next year with Felicity. oh uh, you know, mentoring your <laughs> <retreaters. laughs> you're, you're going to be guinea pigs i'm sure <laughs> and, um basically getting hold of people and people responding to me has been you know really quite difficult and I think, well, if you're working, so when I email them, they respond. But when I've called them, there's, you know, I've called three or four times, no response. So I think that working from home, you have to find your own workspace. You have to come in at a set time. You have to have a break at a set time or, you know, give or take, you know, you have to treat it as you would go to work. You have to get dressed. You have to feel smart. Don't come down in your pajamas. I mean, I think we've all sort of done a bit of that. Don't get me wrong. I've I've, I've had a few meetings where I've had my gym clothes on and stuff, but if you if I'm coming to work, I have a shower in the morning, I put my, you know, put my a little bit of makeup on because I feel like I'm at work then.
0: Yeah, you yeah. have to have a routine. I really that's something that I've learned through this lockdown period is having that routine. I get up, I have mm-hmm. my water lemon, I do my meditation, I make sure I get out and go for a walk so it feels like at least I've done some sort of commute, as it were, and then yeah. come back in and then start my day, so there's a bit of a separation. But that routine element is definitely key. You can't just roll out of bed in front of your, your laptop and expect to be productive. Yeah. I might be able to, but it doesn't work for me. <laughs>
1: And put your screen on because, do you know what, I'm really, you know, probably a year ago, we would have not had, you know, we would have just called each other and not had this. So, and and here we are, I'm seeing you, you're seeing me, I feel a connection to you. Yeah. If I just had a picture of you, which very often happens with a lot of people, Mm. I don't want to just hear your voice, I want to see you, you know, so I think put your, I would say, you've got to put your screen on you've got to be visible you've got to be seen um yeah. so people people know that you know they still, still rel- yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: absolutely <laughs> do you know
1: what
0: honestly <laughs> Not just watching like secretly watching like emily in paris on netflix yeah. sound down <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. do you know what
2: Faye? we've definitely got to have you on again to talk all things that because i do think oh. diversity and inclusion when you get into talking about privately owned businesses startups um there isn't enough meeting of minds between employees and employers in that arena wouldn't you agree Gabby like it is tough I it is very tough to um know when to put your foot on the gas with your employees and when to ease it up a little bit and you know I'm very conscious of it Mm. and I and, and we do diversity work I'm still yeah. conscious of am I being diverse enough with these employers but 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 how what what impact does that have on the bottom line as you said yeah. because you're running a business and I do yeah. think there's a distinctly different I'm noticing there's people who've come out of working for organizations where let's face it even if they had if their performance wasn't directly linked for example to money or mm. sales Mm. there are times where they can lag a little bit and it's not going to mean the end of the world for the business or indeed for Mm. their wage. Whereas Mm. when you're starting a business, running a business, Mm. it does mean that if you've got people on payroll who aren't working, it's not great for your business.
1: Well, you know, I, I think in today's environment, you know, sorry, tough times for me, uh, you know, I'm, whilst I'm a lovely person and I want to embrace everyone, bottom line is don't mess with me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know i people that have known me for a long time they know that there's a a a very sort of lovely how i am i'm and i i'm really open you know i call a spade a spade if you if you tell me that um i'm not doing something right i'll listen to you and i will learn and change it etc but um Mm -hmm. I think the problem is, right, is that there are people, unfortunately, in every business, it's the 80-20 rule. You've got 80% of the, you know, there's a middle ground of people. 20% of the people work their asses off, and they literally do carry everything. Then you've got 20% at the bottom who basically are really floating along, not doing what they should be doing. And then you've got the people in the middle who sort of do a good job, plod along, do whatever. And what happens is the people at the top, the top 20%, they get given all the work yeah, the because do you know why they're capable they're capable they get it done but the problem with that is though is after a while they burn out they get to the point where they can't cope because everything you know everything's you know coming back to them you know it's oh yes Faye will do that you know Faye will get it done or Gabby or Ashanti you know that's that's because we're doers we're you know we're passionate. We don't we don't leave our desk, and then you've got the other people. Well, we're all working here at five o'clock. They're like bye, and I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> so I think that in an organisation you, rec- um, you have to um you uh, have to realize that 20% and value those. And this is where I do think things like bonuses and things come into place with those people. We talk about parity oh, yeah. of salary. People might say, well, that person does a better job. Well, that's fine. They're paid to do a job, but maybe the bonus situation comes in for that top 20% because they go above and beyond in everything they do. The middle group can't expect to get anything because they're just doing their job and the bottom 20% where well, you're actively managing that other business.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah 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 and do you know what and that's do you know what Faye anyway it's been brilliant to chat to you we've got to have you on again and um yeah. we've got to do some kind of all-stars Gabby haven't we A bit of haven't all our kind of podcast all-stars yeah. and have Faye on because honestly oh. those insights Faye it, from the years of experience that you've got as I say people respect you but I think these are important things to talk mm-hmm. about Yeah. Um, In in the space that we're now in right now.
1: I think so. And I mean, the other thing, I I mean, I'm happy to come back and talk to you guys about is that obviously I've been, it's been a long time since I got involved in setting up a business and what have you, but I've been resetting up uh, a limited company so so it's been really interesting for me to go through that whole process again of the legals, the IP, the, um, you know, trademarking things, um, all that type of thing. And obviously what accounts you need to do, but also what's been very interesting for me because FF15 program is not for profit. And I've started to do commercial work in terms of mentoring people to really to, if I'm honest with you, to subsidize it because it costs a lot of money to run it, you know, and. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm not yet a registered charity. I'm running it as a, a business, but most of the money goes back into running the, the free bit. So um, what's been interesting for me is to look at that model and look at how I can work it, but also looking at what's available, like grants and stuff for businesses. And, you know, so I'm someone who, when I start things generally are like literally I'll be on the computer all night (laughs) you know looking at things applying for things so I've done a lot of that so I'm really happy for all those young entrepreneurs or old entrepreneurs who are basically changing their careers into maybe freelance or setting up a a, a, um, self-employed business or a sole trader I'm really happy to give my insights in terms of things that they need to think about Mm. Um, and I've got a black book obviously of people who I use for things that are cost-effective you know because I'm not I I, believe it or not whilst I'm super successful having started with nothing I like a deal and I like to (laughs) you know I don't want to waste money you know yeah I've, I've spent my life earning it trying to get to where I've got to and I you know now I'm a lucky you know and I'm not boastful when I say I'm a millionaire mentor because I've fought every every penny. Yeah, absolutely. And I started with nothing in a tin council house. So, oh, you God, know, God. I, I've earned my stripes. But at the same time, I can sit with someone who's starting out who has nothing and say, okay, I, I'm not going to recommend going to some huge company because that's not going to be appropriate for your business. So I, what I look at is, you know, and also supporting other small companies, you know, yeah. supporting other, you know, sole traders or individuals who can then, give them a good price and do a personal service and what have you if we all help each other in that arena we'll, before we know it, we'll have a whole tranche of new event businesses that are starting up whether it be diversity LA or a small freelance event company or someone doing legals for event yeah. that's what we need to do let's yeah. let's help each other
0: is that no, it? very and I'm working now? We're we working with lots of different freelancers. And in fact, it's really easy to be diverse and inclusive when you're working with lots of different freelancers. You have to choose who you work with and who's a yeah. job. And also, as you said, you
1: can get a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And as long as they're good at what they do, as long as people that come to work hard, you know, it's great mean just I had a, a, a solicitor this morning do some work for me on some legals, and they'd give me so much advice and I got the bill and it was like two hundred and eighty eight pounds. It was so much advice for, and I went, went back to the lady it was a company called Daniel uh, Couchman um, in Hazelman and I just said i 'm going to recommend you guys because you 're just so good and you 've been so reasonable you know thank you, um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, we 're happy to help, and you know no worries so that's what we want. we want business from referrals and we want to keep uh, keep keep our community alive by helping each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely it's been an absolute pleasure play. it really has. Thank you for coming on. Thanks.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure.